I wanted a bigger vert. I wanted a faster first step. But when you looked at the training information that was out there at that point in time, what did we have access to? We had muscle and fitness. We had flex. Luckily, towards the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, we got Muscle Media 2000, and then we got T Nation. Hello and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and today we're going to talk about what I consider to be the three biggest issues plaguing both the strength and conditioning and fitness industries. Now, if you followed me for any period of time, you know that I am ever the optimist. It could be the worst case scenario. It could be an awful situation, and I'm going to try and find the silver lining. I'm going to try and find some way to spin this and turn it into a positive. But with that being said, there are definitely some things that need to be improved in our industry, whether we're talking about young coaches trying to get in and get a foothold, or you know, our seasoned vets, the people that have been doing this 10, 15, 20 years to try and keep themselves engaged and to keep them moving forward. Now, one thing that does frustrate me about not just fitness, but just like life is a whole these days, is that people love to talk about the problems. They love to talk about the negatives. They love to highlight the negatives, and that's fine. I have no issue with highlighting those things as long as you're bringing solutions to the table as well. And this is something that I've told my staff at IFAST for years. If you see something that's wrong, by all means, let me know. Tell me, but don't just dump a mess in my lap. Instead, if you see a potential problem or if you see something that is negatively impacting our business, let me know, but also come to me with one, two, or even three solutions to help improve the problem. And I don't think anybody did this better than Jay Chunk. Now, if you never hung out at iFast or you never trained in the morning, Jay was amazing about this because he would you know, say, hey, here is this problem that I see either with our email, with our scheduling, with a specific client. And then here are two to three potential solutions I've already thought of to help make the situation better. So as we dive into today's topic, we are going to talk about not just issues, but we're going to talk about solutions. So I kind of did an informal poll between Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, along with just some people and discussions that I've had over the last, say, six to 12 months. And the three biggest issues that keep coming up, number one, burnout. Number two, imposter syndrome. And number three, information overload. Now, I've got two honorable mentions as well, but I don't want to give it all away in the intro. But that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about these issues, and we're going to talk about potential solutions to help drive our industry forward. Now, before we jump into the full show, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods. And man, the highlight of last weekend was all of the fall sports. And it's interesting because in one hand, it's a highlight. On the other hand, it has been hotter than Hades here in Indianapolis and Fort Wayne where we were this weekend. So while it's great and having all this fun with the kids and all the sports, man, it's also been hot. So I'm looking forward to a little downtime. But Kendall had her first big soccer tournament this weekend in Fort Wayne. Really had no clue what to expect because they've been practicing like four weeks. When they do scrimmage and practice, they are going up against the team that's directly above them. 
and they're just a little bit more established, a little bit cleaner overall. So they've just been catching beatdowns <laughs> basically every day in practice for four weeks. So I think they were excited to go out there, beat up on some other teams, and you know did pretty well. You could see the improvement and the confidence grow as the weekend went on. They tied in their first game, had a couple opportunities right at the end. I know the girls wish they could have gotten a couple shots back, but tied the first one, lost the second one. It's kind of a bloodbath. Um, it was definitely a very good team. Uh, they ended up winning their entire division. So, you know, no harm done there. You're going to run into better teams. And I tried to explain that to Kendall. And then the final piece, uh, they came out Sunday morning, early 8 a.m. game, took care of business and got a 4-1 win. I thought all the girls played really well. Uh, and most importantly, it was just a great little bonding experience because Kendall and I got a whole weekend. We got to see our friends Friday night and go out to dinner with them. We got to hang out all day Saturday, watch her play, saw some of her teammates from last year play, and just, again, just getting away, just the two of us was really awesome. So she had a great time this weekend. The only downside, as I think I might have mentioned in last week's intro, was Cade got his first big pitching opportunity in kid pitch this weekend. So I missed that. Uh, Luckily, I have an amazing wife. She sat up at the fence for an entire inning while he pitched and FaceTimed me. So that was pretty cool. So I didn't feel like I missed it. I got to watch him pitch as best as I could. And it looked like he did really well. Like, you know, when you're getting into that environment, if you just get the ball over the plate pretty consistently, you're doing well. And he did. He got to pitch his entire 60 pitches, which is essentially your allotment. Uh, I don't think you get to go back-to-back days. So he got to pitch his full 60 pitches, Got a couple hits that game, got the game-tying run, and ultimately got the game ball. So he was beyond excited. So the weekend was awesome. This week, coaching calls, picked up a couple new mentees, excited to chat with them. Uh, got the iFastU Q&A call, so all kinds of good stuff. And then most importantly, I think it has just been nonstop. Like, I don't feel like I've had a true break the entire summer, really since about April. So really, really, really looking forward to the long holiday weekend. Just some downtime. We got some projects around the house that we want to work on, but mostly just laying low, hanging out with the fam, and just chilling out a little bit. So I hope you have uh, a great long weekend as well. Last but not least, I'm going to mention it here in just a minute. Complete Coach Cert launches live here in just a couple weeks. So if you are interested in getting the cert, getting on the insiders list, and ultimately saving $200, go to completecoachcertification.com or just listen to our short message here in just a minute. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the three biggest issues that are plaguing the strength and conditioning industry today. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train 
so you can get the absolute best results and the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. To get on the insider's list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. All right, my friend, let's dive into the three biggest issues that are plaguing strength and conditioning today. And number one is burnout. I hear so many, not just people on the internet and on social media talking about burnout, but what's really scary is I hear a lot of young coaches talking about burnout. So let's have a really frank discussion about that. And it was interesting because this topic really started getting in front of me, I think it was about March of this year. And that's not to say people haven't been talking about it longer, but I feel like I've heard more and more people talking about it since March. And it actually came up, we were doing one of our complete coach seminars in Huntsville, Alabama at Andy McCloy's gym. And at the start of the day, which is how I do these seminars now, at the start of the day, we go through and I have you put all of your questions out there. So rather than me just lecturing for two and a half days, I say, hey, you know, what are you interested in? What are you struggling with? And one of the young coaches in the group said she was really worried about burnout. And I said, you know, how long have you been in the industry? I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I know it was less than five years. And Andy, being Andy, you know, chimed in when we brought this up. And he said, look, one of the biggest reasons I feel like people burn out is because they're not learning and they're not growing. And I thought this was such a great point to make. And it is easy to feel burned out. If you're stagnant, if you're not getting better, right? Yeah, you are going to feel burned out. You're going to feel like you have low energy or low enthusiasm. But it also brings me to this discussion I had all the way back in Vancouver in 2010. So I was doing this bulletproof knees and back seminar. So we basically did one whole day on knees, one whole day on backs. And this gentleman, as we're going through the assessment, basically said, you know, Mike, I've been in the industry 25 years. You've been doing this like 10 what allows you to come up here and tell me how to do things? And I didn't have a great response at that point in time. But the longer that I thought about it, and the more like just, you know, thought I put into it, I kept coming up with this idea of, look, not all years are created equal. And I can tell you that 10 years into my career, I definitely didn't know anything. But man, I had a broad range of experiences because I spent two years in a division one setting working with you know elite division one athletes and simultaneously working on my graduate assistantship and learning about the research side of strength and power development so that's years one and two years three four and five i'm in fort wayne working in a rehab environment so i'm learning about assessments i'm learning learning about corrective exercise i'm learning about program design so you know Within five years, I've got a pretty broad range of experiences. The next three, I'm back in strength and conditioning at a low level. I'm working at a a private 
uh, high school here in Indianapolis, but I'm also doing in-home personal training. So now I'm getting this deep dive into working with gen pop clients, working with you know people that want to be fit but that are in pain. So a little bit of a distinction from Fort Wayne where it's pure rehab. Now it's like a blend of like rehab and training and fat loss. So, you know, I'm learning all these things. And then years nine and 10 is when we open IFAST. And now I've just got the floodgates open. We've got gen pop clients. We've got elderly populations. We've got young athletes. We've got professional athletes. Hell, at the time, I believe I had a professional mixed martial artist. I had a guy that was trying to make the Olympics in bobsled. So case in point here being, look, if every year that you're in the fitness industry is the same, if it's like Groundhog's Day and you're doing the same things 20 years from now as you're doing today, you're going to get burned out. There's no two ways around it, right? But the point here is this, you know, I think there's a lot of buzzwords in our industry. I think a lot of people like to talk about things like burnout, like imposter syndrome, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And a lot of times it's just a talking head, right? They're doing these things to talk about or to get listens, to get shares, to get likes. And they're not actually helping move the needle. Okay, so here is a huge point you need to understand. Everyone gets burned out from time to time. Everyone. I don't care how much you love this industry. I don't care how much passion, how much energy you have. I don't know if I could point to anybody in my industry, whether it's my peers, my colleagues, my coworkers, and they haven't had a point in time where they're burned out. And there's a lot of reasons for this, right? Sometimes in our industry, there's really long hours, especially when you're getting started. You could work 8, 10, 12, 14, sometimes it's 16-hour days. It's ungodly when you're getting started. So it could be long hours, could be lack of sleep. If you're working a split shift and, you know, you're there 6 to 10 and then you go home for a little bit and you come back and you work 3 to 7 or 3 to 8, I've done that too. It's easy to get burned out when you're not rested enough. Sometimes it's just the people you're working with. Alan Cosgrove has always talked about A, B, C, and D-level clients. Hey, if you've got a stable of A-level clients, great. It's easy to go to work. It's easy to show up. But if you've got a bunch of C's and D's, people that are energy vampires, they complain all the time, they just suck the energy and the life out of you, man, it's easy to feel burned out then as well. So... Rather than just dump on you, right, and tell you all the things that are negative, let's talk about practical solutions and things that you can do to help combat this. So two difficult questions that I'm going to ask you now, and you might have to think about after the show. Maybe you want to hit pause, or maybe you just want to write them down and think about them later, but two difficult questions you've got to answer. Number one, are you doing what's necessary to take care of yourself first? This is tough. We talk to all of our clients about working out regularly, eating a nutritious diet, uh, drinking enough water, not over-consuming caffeine, getting enough sleep, getting our mindset and our meditation on point. But how many of us are really checking all those boxes on a regular basis? Look, I know there's times in my life I have not been doing those. And look, to get all four of those, training, nutrition, recovery, and mindset, all on point at the same time is really, really challenging. It's like spinning plates on fingers, right? And you know, you get one or two going, you add the third, and by the time you add the fourth, the first one's falling off. So you have to take care of yourself first. And this is really important for young coaches to do 
because you have to build these habits. You have to build these routines early on. It gets harder when you add more layers and complexity to your life. So if you're just a trainer, you're single, hey, there's no better time to start building these habits than right now. Because when you add on a significant other or pets or kids or you start your own business, now all of a sudden there's a lot of complexity in your life. There's a lot of layers and there's a lot of other things that are competing for your time and energy. So number one, are you taking care of yourself first? The answer is no. You got to start there. Number two, are you working to get better, to grow and evolve on a professional level on a regular basis? And if not, then this has to be addressed. So if you are doing well with taking care of yourself, now you have to ask, am I challenging myself professionally? And you know, the best way to do this is to find ways or find things that you are passionate about, that you're excited about, that you want to dive into and learn more about. So when I was creating this show, one of the things that I asked was, okay, number one, what issues are we dealing with in our industry? But I also started to ask, okay, hey, who are the best people to learn from with regards to tendinopathy, with regards to knee pain, with regards to using force plates, uh, Achilles issues? And I listed a whole bunch of these things. And part of it was just to try and figure out, okay, who really knows what they're doing? But the other part of it is, hey, I'm collecting things that I want to learn about going forward. This is how I keep myself motivated. So like at this point, I feel pretty comfortable writing a program. I feel pretty comfortable coaching and cueing a client, progressions, regressions. But there are still things that I want to get better at. Look, I don't care how good I am. Some of my athletes still deal with knee pain or they're coming with different backgrounds. Uh, They've had different injuries, different surgeries. So I can always work to get better there. Uh, I'd love to learn more about force plates. It's something that I spent two years of my life learning about uh, while I was at Ball State. But hey, that was also like 20 years ago. And now force plates are more affordable. They are things that we can integrate into a gym or into our assessment process. You know, back in the day, nobody has 50K to go spin on an in-ground Kistler force plate. That's what we had at Ball State and it's cool, but... That's not feasible in our environment versus now, hey, you can go pick up a set of Hawking Dynamics force plates and be assessing your clients in the next month. So there's things that you have to do or areas of development that you need to seek out that will help re-engage you, that will help reignite that fire and that energy and that passion to keep you excited about our profession. So look, at the end of the day, just know this. If you're feeling burned out, it happens. It happens in probably area every area of your life at some point in time, especially in the short term. But if this is something you're feeling for an extended period of time, we're talking months or even potentially years, these are things that need to be addressed. And I think if you're not taking care of yourself, that's number one. And if you are, then you need to get rid of the loop that you're in. You need to get out of this Groundhog's Day mentality. You need to find things that are exciting and that reignite that passion to make sure you continue to grow and evolve as a fitness professional. So that's number one, burnout. Number two is one that I think we've all heard of. It's probably something that all of us have dealt with 
at some point in time, but let's talk about imposter syndrome. And before we, we dive into this, I wanna give you like the Google definition of imposter syndrome, because I think it's very illustrative. So Google defines imposter syndrome as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. Now it goes on to say it disproportionately affects high achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of accolades. So again, kind of like burnout, I hear a lot of people talking about this. But I think what's even more important to note is that like burnout, probably everyone experiences this at some point in time. If you're a young coach, maybe an intermediate coach, maybe even a coach that's been doing this 10 or 15 years, chances are at some point in your career, you are going to suffer from imposter syndrome. Now, here's the really bad side to this. Every probably pretty good coach feels this at some point in time. The person who doesn't is the person that probably should feel it the most, right? It's the person that's totally unaware of their lack of talent, lack of skill, and their overall worth to the fitness industry. They're the person that thinks they know everything, you know, this irrational confidence. The person that probably needs this the most is the person that feels it the least. So uh, just so you know, I probably felt this every day for about the first 10 to 15 years of my career. 22 years in, I feel it a heck of a lot less now, but man, 10 to 15 years in, every time I coached, more importantly, every time I spoke on a stage, man, I spoke a lot, especially years 10 to 15, I spoke a lot. There were years where I probably spoke at 30 events. I was traveling all over, not just the US, but abroad. Man, I felt like an imposter. And so look, it happens to all of us. It's okay. But what's here's something that I think is really important to know. It's a hard fact, and I hope I don't come across as harsh or mean when I say this. But look, if you are a new coach, let's say you've been doing this six months, a year, maybe even five years, right? If you're new to the game and you're just getting started or you haven't put in the, in the reps yet, you deserve to be uncomfortable. And I know that might sound harsh, but look, you haven't earned the right to be comfortable yet, and that's okay. Don't let it deter you, okay? If you haven't put in the time, if you haven't put in the reps, you can't speed that up. There is no easy button to being a successful trainer or coach. It takes time. It takes reps. It takes experience, okay? So just know that. Play the long game here. But I think what's also important to note, if you go back to that definition, there's something that's really important there, and I want to highlight it. When it talks about imposter syndrome, it says that it disproportionately affects high-achieving people. Listen to that again. Disproportionately affects high-achieving people. So if you feel it, or if you have felt it, that's probably a good thing. Because you actually care. You are self-aware. You're trying to achieve at a higher level than most. Okay? So with that being said, one of the keys to success in our industry, or really any industry I would imagine, is learning to trust your instincts. I tell all of our interns this. There's this point in time when they're going through the internship and they're just hesitant. They want to hold back. I clearly remember when Monica and Blaze were interns last fall and there was this time where you know, I'm coaching somebody and Monica's over my shoulder and next thing uh, I cue somebody and they cleans up 
And they walk away, and Monica's like, man, I was just about to say that. I turn around, and I asked her, why didn't you? She's like, well, I didn't know if it was right. Trust your instincts. You're going to be right more often than you're wrong. What you may not know early on is why you're right. And again, that's something that takes time, and it takes experience. Okay? So trust your instincts. Be willing to put yourself out there. But I think most importantly, it comes down to being comfortable in what you think you know. You need a certain level of confidence in what you're saying because that that comes across to your clients and athletes. If you're totally unconfident or if you're timid or you're very, um, uh, you know, if you're constantly hesitating or pausing when you're trying to coach and cue, it's not going to work. So try and be confident in what you know, but also trust in the fact that you don't know everything and you're going to continue to learn and grow along the way. And this is something that I think does take time as well, but just being comfortable in the fact that you can't know everything, but you're going to continue to learn and grow and evolve the longer you do this. So if you're feeling imposter syndrome now, if you felt it in the past, hey man, that's not a knock on you. I really think it's part of the process and it disproportionately affects high achieving people. So don't look at it, look at it as a negative. I would flip that and look at it as a positive. Again, there's the optimist in me. But hey, look at it as a positive. Recognize the fact, hey, you're self-aware and you realize that there's more to learn. That's not a bad thing. Okay, so that's number two, burnout. Or sorry, imposter syndrome. Now, let's talk about number three, information overload. And I love to hearken back to the dark ages of the late 1990s and the early 2000s when I was coming up. And when you think about the 90s, I didn't even have a way to describe the way I wanted to train. I was an athlete. I was a basketball player. I was a volleyball player. So for me, athletic development, athletic performance was what I was most interested in. I wanted a bigger vert. I wanted a faster first step. But when you looked at the training information that was out there at that point in time, what did we have access to? We had muscle and fitness. We had flex. Luckily, towards the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, we got Muscle Media 2000, and then we got T Nation. So I remember in the 90s, uh, people would ask me, oh, you know, you're in the gym a lot. What do you like to do? I didn't have a great answer. Some people, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I want to get big. Sometimes I'd say, oh, I want to get strong. But those things were kind of true. But really what I wanted to do was become a better athlete. So that's where we were, right? I had access to very little information. Think about where we're at now. If you type in the word or or the, the phrase how to squat, I bet you come up with roughly a billion different entries on the Google machine. How to swing a kettlebell, same thing. So it's really hard because back in the day, if you were writing an article for Muscle and Fitness, for Flex, for Muscle Media, for T Nation, chances are you had a certain level of street cred. You knew what you were doing. You'd had some tried and true successes over the years. Now, anybody can claim that they know everything about everything, right? And I don't want to say it's always the case, but if you see uh, a social media fitness person with 200,000, 500,000, a million followers, chances are it's disproportionate to what they actually know. 
Now, it's hard for me to say that because there are some really good ones out there. I love Jordan Syatt. I love Ben Bruno. I love Kaiza. I think they are very smart individuals, and they're trying to do things the right way. But there's also a lot of people that are just really good on camera, very personable, and have learned how to basically hack the Instagram or Facebook algorithms to get massive followings. So let's talk about practical strategies to do this the right way. Because information overload is real, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, any form of social media, websites, blogs, podcasts, you have so much information, how do you filter it? And I know I've talked about this before, but Luca talked about this in a recent podcast that we did, and half of the title was called Collecting Role Models. If you want to be successful in this industry, you have to find real role models and real mentors to help guide and shape you. Now, I didn't realize this early on. I got a pretty darn good science background when I was at Ball State. I had my undergrad degree in exercise science. I got a master's in biomechanics. So those things gave me the science background that I needed. If you don't have those, you got to start there first. You need basics like physics, like chemistry, uh, like biology. These things will help you understand how things work. But then from there, you have to find mentors to help guide you within this space. And I've talked about this numerous times, so I won't belabor the point here. But when I had been training for 10, 11, 12 years, I felt very confident in my ability to help people get stronger. I was very confident in my ability to coach in queue, uh, to coach the best exercise, uh, to choose the best exercise. Now that's evolved obviously over the years, but I knew very clearly if I wanted to get good at training athletes, I had to get better at speed, I had to get better at conditioning. So what did I do? I sought out trusted experts. In the speed field, I went to Lee Taft and I consumed everything from Lee that I possibly could. I bought his DVDs. I attended his courses. I brought him to courses at my gym because I knew he was somebody I wanted to learn from. Along those same lines, I knew conditioning was a weakness. So who do I seek out? I go to Joel Jameson and I consume everything that Joel puts out, whether it was his books, whether it was his webinars, whether it was his conditioning cert. I brought Joel to come and do events at our gym. So you have to find trusted mentors, people that can give you a foundation in a specific area. And then you can start to go to other people And then use that filter to determine, hey, does this person know what they're talking about? And if so, yes, then I can learn from them. And if they're saying things totally opposite of what Lee says or what Joel says, eh, that's probably not somebody I'm interested in learning from. And I'm doing the same thing now, right? Whether we're talking about, again, tendinopathy, force plates, knee pain. I'd like to think I know a decent amount about some of those topics, but I'm seeking out mentors in those areas so that I can continue to grow and evolve myself. And it's funny because when I put all this out there and I was asking, you know, what are the issues in our industry? Kevin Neald, who is the head strength and conditioning coach for the Boston Bruins, somebody I deeply respect and somebody we have some really great conversations going back and forth. He said, this may be one of the the worst areas of our field right now. It's just this lack of true mentorship. So to kind of recap this and bring it together, number one, I think you have to start with a solid foundation in the sciences. If that means going to college, that's great. 
If you don't want to go that route, man, there's so many probably free courses on the internet these days that you can do that will give you that science background. Start with those. You can't skip that step. From there, find specific areas that you want to hone in on. If you want to be a fat loss expert, focus on metabolism. If you want to be a strength coach, figure out what your weaknesses are. Because I think of it kind of like MMA. If you started in one area of MMA, like let's say you're a really great striker, well, maybe you just need to maintain your striking skill and then become a better wrestler or a better grappler, BJJ. Same thing here. If you're great with strength, I feel like I was great with strength. Now, what are my weaknesses? Speed, conditioning, start to plug those in. Once you've figured out what those are, find your trusted mentors, apply your foundation, and then once you have a filter and you can start to figure out who knows what they're talking about, who they who doesn't, use that filter to expand your knowledge base and integrate materials from other coaches. Okay, so that's number three, information overload. Now, before I let you go, there were two things that came up. I don't know if I would put them in the top three, but there are things that are negatively impacting our field that we need to be aware of and that I want to at least mention here. So kind of our extra credit or, you know, however you want to think about it. But two other areas that are that need work in our industry. Number one is social media and how we use social media in our field. And number two is wages and compensation. Okay, so when it comes to social media, if you're going to use social media for your business, my best advice is to post and run. Uh, That's what Bill talks about. Uh, I don't remember what uh, Shantae calls it, post and ghost or something like that. Post and move. That's what Shantae calls it, post and move. But don't hang out on the interwebs too long. Don't hang out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snap, whatever medium you're using. Post your content. Uh, If there are DMs that are going to positively impact your business, respond to those and then get out of there. So that's number one. Number two, curate your feed. I know Molly Galbraith has talked about this. She talked about it on our show a while back, but hey man, be aggressive, be militant in your use of the mute button. And this is something I need to do a better job of because man, there are people that I love in real life, but on social media, they absolutely drive me insane. I don't need 50 social media posts from you every single day. Okay, so be be very liberal in your use of the mute button. It's got to be positive. It's got to be moving your needle forward for it to be worth your time. And then last but not least, number three, this is easy. Limit your time on social, right? There's a lot of benefits to it. Man, I've met some great friends through social. I've learned a lot. I've found some really great people to follow. And I use social media to you know educate my listeners and to educate my audience. I use it to interact with Uh, new coaches, new trainers that I'm unaware of. I've used it to find great people to bring on the podcast. And man, it's a great education tool when used appropriately. But I'm also going to limit my time on there because just this is something I learned from Alan Cosgrove many, many years ago. Swap the word time for the word life. And you think about it like that, time for life, you know, you don't get time back. So do you want to waste your time, i.e. do you want to waste your life being on social all the time? So I love that thought process, and it's something that really shaped me early on in my career. So I thank Alan for that. So social media is something we need to get a wrap around. 
Um, whether you're using it professionally or using it to consume information, find a way to make it work for you. And then second, I don't know how to address this one because I think it's a bigger, probably entire podcast in itself, and it's going to take more brain power for me. And frankly, it's a very layered issue. But wages and compensation for trainers and for coaches. You know, look, there's competing demands for skilled workers, right? Like if you go out in the world right now, there's a lot of very skilled workers that either aren't making enough money or don't have jobs. Like it's a competitive world out there. So if you have somebody that's really smart, that's a coach or trainer, and they're making like 20, 22, 24K a year, and they could go to like a coding boot camp for six weeks and start making six figures, it's going to be really hard to retain that person unless they are just beyond passionate. They just feel compelled and driven to be a trainer or a coach. So I think there's a lot of layers to this, but for now, I'm going to leave it at this. Number one, if you are an employer and you're listening to this show, find ways to compensate your staff fairly. Now I get it. I'm a business owner myself. 14 years in, payroll can be tough, you know, and again, I'm I'm citing Alan a lot today because, you know, he influenced me a lot early on. But I remember Alan talking about, I think payroll should be about 40% of your business's income. And I've had times where it's 40. I've had times where it's 50. I've had times where it's like 60, you know, because receivables are down and you're trying to pay a lot of people. But I would say if you're an employer, work to compensate your staff fairly. If not, overpay them if possible, right? So lots of ways you can do this. It can be in the wages that you pay them. Something that we try and do at iFast is profit sharing. So if we're just killing it at the gym, hey man, obviously Bill and I are gonna you know cut ourselves a little bit because we have the risk in owning the business. But the guys are putting in the time and effort to grow the business. They're there in the trenches every day. So I'm gonna find ways to compensate them there. Con Ed, I think is another way. You got to have the right people. This is a big one. Like they have to be the right people. They want have to want to get better, right? So paying for their con ed could be one. And I think one that, that isn't really talked about, it's kind of an intangible, but this idea of intellectual stimulation. So, you know, if you're working in a big box gym and everybody's doing the same thing day after day after day, man, that would kind of suck, right? Like it's easy to get burned out there. But if you have kind of this compensation package where you're paying them a pretty good wage, there's a little bit of profit sharing, you're paying for Con Ed, it's an intellectually stimulating environment, the people around you want to get better, all of those things factor in. Because look, I'm never going to be able to pay somebody what they could make working for a professional team. (laughs) There's a reason we've lost a couple of our staff to NBA teams or Major League Baseball teams over the years because, hey man, they can pay more and it's a great intellectually stimulating environment. But I think there's a lot of intangibles to working at iFast as well. So if you're an employer, work to pay your staff fairly. If you're an employee, hey man, it's cliche, but understand you're not going to walk out and start making 60, 70, 80K a year. Be where your feet are. If you're not making great money right out of the gate, that's okay. But there's got to be a succession plan in place, right? So go out and kill it wherever you're at right? And the way I try and describe this is, hey, 
even if you're making 24, 25K, which is not ideal, I get it. Even if you're not making a ton of money, work to level yourself up each and every day. Become an invaluable member of your team, of your staff, because I'm a huge believer that you know, good things like that, putting in your best effort, showing up every day, being a leader or a role model to other members on your staff, it's going to get you noticed. It's just how it works. You're not going to be the best person on your staff making 20K a year for very long. Somebody else is going to find you. They're going to bring you along and they're going to find a way to get you paid. Maybe not what you're worth right away, but they're going to move you in the right direction. Okay, so those are the big three. We have talked about burnout, we've talked about imposter syndrome, and we have talked about information overload. These are all things that I can't cure them in one podcast episode. I can't tell you these are the exact solutions, but hey, we need to start having these discussions. We need to talk about why our young coaches are leaving our industry and whether it's burnout, imposter syndrome, not making enough money, overwhelmed from all the information, we have to find a way to start building, shaping, and mentoring the people in our industry. Because look, man, I've talked about this for 300-some episodes now. I've talked about it for 22-some years. We are in the best industry on the planet. We get to make a positive impact on our clients, on our athletes every single day. So now it's our job to start to tackle some of these bigger picture issues and find ways to retain more of our own great talent. So my friend, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit different than some of the stuff that I've done in the past, but I think these are topics that need to be talked about and need to be explored if we're going to continue to push our industry forward. So small favor, if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend, colleague, uh, anybody really that you think would benefit from hearing these messages or that maybe is dealing with burnout or imposter syndrome or any of those things, share it with them so that they can know, hey, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one feeling this. Everybody feels it. And here are some solutions to start moving yourself forward. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.